0: Hey Jack, this is Pepper.
1: Hey Pepper, it's Sam Outlaw. How are you, my friend?
0: Mr. Outlaw. How are you, buddy?
1: Actually, Dr. Outlaw. Do- is, okay. it do- is it Dr. Outlaw? Wow. I wish.
0: I'm telling you, I'd man. Probably,
1: I'd be in a different pay grade if it was Dr. Outlaw.
0: I I- I'm telling you, you really have come a long way since I first met you. We're, <laughs> we're all, the way so to, much smarter. all the way up to doctor yeah. status
1: now. All the way. PhD. <laughs>
0: Fantastic! Where are you chiming in from today? Are you out west yet, or you still got to travel?
1: I I was out west, and I'm back in Nashville for a hot minute before I go back out west.
0: Wow! Keeping so the uh...
1: I'm in I'm in my beautiful living room with my beautiful family, kind of running around around me. Nice. And uh, just picked up my big first grader from first grade, and my preschooler just got home, and I'm. I rehearsed my band today, which was so fun. Just, I, mu- playing music is very stressful and annoying, but then when you actually just, like, like planning things is annoying, and the logistics, but actually playing music is so fun.
0: <laughs> when you get to the and moment, kind of,
1: right? Yeah. Like, it's so, like, I'll have kind of stress streams leading up to tours where it's like my, I get on stage and my strings are gone or my guitar doesn't work or whatever. Mm. And then actually playing the song though is just really a blast. I've got a great band for this tour.
0: Yeah, I wonder about the uh, musicians' version of the actor's nightmare, but it is a real thing, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean it's and mine are pretty predictable. Like I, I'm 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 kind of a type A organized person, and so I I I put a lot of my kind of own shoulders going into playing shows where I'm not exactly hoping and trusting that other people are going to remember things. Um, I actually played a, an international tour one time where the night before the beginning of a 30-day international tour, my drummer called me to say, "Oh, I forgot to get my passport renewed, so I, I can't get on the flight tomorrow." <laughs> after after we had reminded him for months and literally for months to do it, he just didn't do it, uh, and I had to I had to I had to find a, a replacement drummer for one show in Madrid, Spain, last minute.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: So I've been put through the ringer. I've been through it all, and I've been able to, with the help of other fine people, you know, it always works out okay. Um, And at the end of the day, to some extent, I'm sure you've noticed this, that shows people almost want to see things go a little wrong. Like, if it's too slick and smooth, it's not quite as fun, almost, (laughs) for the audience.
0: Amen to that. Amen to that
1: truth. So they want to see a little real life. But no, I've got a really great band for this tour, and it was so fun just... uh, Getting in the rehearsal room and trying out some new tunes, and then for the songs where you like, you kind of feel that people are expecting you to play. It's always kind of fun to say, okay, maybe we're a little, a little like bored with this tune because we have to play it every show. But what's something we could do that would make it kind of come alive to us again? And so that's always just really interesting to try to find fresh ways, fresh takes on on songs.
0: Always, always a, a way to kind of keep it fresh and keep it moving. I, I love this that yep. we're I love this that we're just kind of mid conversation we we happened to be also kind of where i was going to start anyway which was really how far you've come since we first met i mean the european tour uh you know yeah. you you were still flirting with quitting your day job when we first met and oh yeah you know you were still kind of like in between and i i tracked it down to february 2016 at the grange hall uh here in Slow. and uh, 2017 live oak was a big was a big one for you um, huh. and then by 2018, you'd moved to Nashville. So you'd, yeah, isn't that crazy? You made the, you made the jump. And, and on top of all this, you've already talked about surviving. You survived the pandemic.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and that's maybe what's so odd is like now when I'm like, oh, I can't wait to get back to slow. I haven't been there for two, wait, no, five years. Like everything is <laughs> extended out like an extra two or three years. So um yeah surviving the pandemic you know i'm i'm very lucky it was you know our kids were even almost more babies so that was that was probably the the hardest part was being stuck in a house with like kind of little little kids um you know for them and for us probably more for us (laughs) (laughs) um but i you know i i like touring i like playing live music i can't pretend that especially now being a dad that i necessarily really want to be gone all that much so I think during COVID, it gave me a chance to finish my new album and really kind of take the time I wanted to. So there was a lot of, you know, and not, not to trample on the stories of other people that obviously really suffered during that time, but our, our home wasn't like, I feel like we weren't derailed as badly as it could have been. I think a lot of other folks had it had it harder. But um, yeah, that said, you know, I remember the last gig I played in 2020, I played at the Grand Ole Opry. It was like March 6th. 2020 i played the Grand Ole opry and then like that next weekend i think was when everything shut down so it was Mm. it was a real surreal thing to be like i can play music and i'm driving down the street and i get to play the opry it's the biggest privilege ever and then it all just ended it was crazy
0: crazy times and you've played the opry a few times now and that sets me up to talk about how nashville has treated you you've you you've kind of jumped on a moving train of Music City, the way Nashville is going these days, Um, you know, compared to what I remember 20 years ago, uh, you could kind of ease into Nashville 20 years ago. Now, it's a fast-moving train all the time, right? right?
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, I... It's it's so funny like I, at least this is my perception of me which is possibly very different than maybe other people's perception of me if there are any people who still perceive me but um, I I think for me it was like I was always a little country for L A like there wasn't really this, there wasn't this mechanism to support the kind of music I was trying to do in L A that was more the Americana Music Association and then I was kind of embraced by the Americana Music Association but like with most things it's almost like they like you more when they don't have you. Mm. So by moving to Nashville and kind of becoming part of the Nashville community, as much as I was embraced and loved, I also feel in some ways that I was like almost became now I was like oh well he's kind of to L.A. for Nashville. So I always <laughs> kind of felt kind of felt like a square peg in a round hole in L.A. Maybe a little bit feel that here. But also, Pepper, that could just be because I'm an artist and I'm suffering from terminal uniqueness, and I just think I'm a unique, sweet little snowflake. So, like I said, <laughs> this could be just my perception of me. Right. In general, the fact that I got to, I've gotten to play the Grand Ole Opry and play it so many times is insane to me. Like that will never become like normal. That will never feel um, like old hat. So the fact that I can even claim that probably means I've enjoyed more support from Music City than most musicians in the history of the universe. So I'm very grateful for it. But, you know, like any good artist, I probably will never totally feel like I fit in. And maybe that's a good thing.
0: Yeah, I think that's part of, like, the singer-songwriter-sensitive, you know, uh, complex yes. that, that comes along. It comes along with the territory. It's also, uh, it's also you're in an environment with a hundred other uh, equally sensitive uh, uh, mm-hmm. singer-songwriter types, and in these yep. communities you've seen over the years, I mean, it's, it's fun to be hip until you're hip and then everybody's like, well, he's hip. So he's not hip anymore. Yep. It's the hipster factor. Yep. You know, it's like, it's like punk rock. It's like everybody wants to rage until everybody rages. Then raging's not cool anymore.
1: Yeah, like Nirvana was a whole different thing until Nevermind comes out. And now they're like the McDonald's of the grunge movement. And then, (laughs) you know, a lot of people don't want to continue to follow them. Or like I remember when I put out my second record, Tenderheart, in Los Angeles, and my record label very generously paid for me to be on a billboard in LA. And a a billboard is, you know, still kind of this like status symbol. And I remember in some ways, I feel like it almost created a sense of ire in the music community in LA because it was like, who's this? Who's this dumb dumb think he is being on a a billboard, you know? So it's, you know, it works both ways. I think for the most part, the best thing I can do is not really think about that because there's nothing you can do about it. The best thing that you can do is work at what your job is, which is to write songs and to record them and to perform them and stop thinking about the other stuff. But look, you can't help but think about it, of course.
0: Absolutely. Talking with Sam Outlaw, he is at the Siren in Morro Bay this coming Wednesday night. It's another Good Medicine present. Show, and um, we mentioned Tenderheart. I still think Angelino uh, from 2015 is a masterpiece. The album is just phenomenal. Uh, the album you mentioned during COVID was um, popular mechanics. That's been out since November of 21. and again, 20 and 21 are the two time warp years that that people can't you know we can't wrap our heads around what actually happened when, but so it has <laughs> been a year since that's been out. Um how's that album treated you and what's that been like uh for the last year or so working with that album?
1: You know, it's funny. Like I wanted to put it out in 2020. Like I was probably going to put it out like if you know, if everything would have gone according to plan probably summer 2020. So when that didn't happen, I was like okay, we'll wait till 2021. Now looking back, you know, putting out a record in November of 2021 even that now, to some extent, kind of feels like I was releasing a record during the season of the virus, you know? Mm-hmm. Even even November of twenty twenty now, still, that feels kind of like deep, deep into COVID era. Um, but, you know, the, it's been funny. I, I kind of, you know, to, to people that really follow my music, I don't think that Popular Mechanics was that far of a stretch in terms of um, kind of what I'm known for musically. To people that had only heard Angelina, though, I think it felt like a big kind of uh, leap from more traditional country music to kind of a more eighties rock um, approach. But um, kind of my can joke for anybody who's like, wow, so you kind of went from doing country music to doing this pop rock thing. Like what gives? And kind of my joke is like, is it, Hey, is it really so hard to, to, to understand that someone would go from ripping off the Eagles Albums to just ripping off Don Henley's solo album, I mean, <laughs> yeah. is that really is that really that much of a stretch exactly you tried to make it seem um so yeah, I'm you know it's so funny the record has in some ways been very successful for me, like especially in Sweden, where one of the tracks from the album called Polyamorous uh got like an insane like 30 straight weeks of radio play in Sweden and became like a big, big song out there, which is a a place I've toured before. Um, But as you can imagine, you know, like the, the, the typical like Americana uh, like radio stations um, who knew me from like, let's say the song ghost town on my first record, which kind of sounds just like a, a Ryan Adams tune or something. They hear a song like the title track, Popular Mechanics, which is inspired kind of by new wave music, and they're just like, "What the heck is this?" <laughs> so, I, so the rea- so the reaction to it, the reaction to it has been the complete gamut of, "What the heck is this? This isn't country anymore, and now I don't like you, and now I will never talk to you again." To the opposite, which is like, wow, I actually really like rock and roll, and I'm glad that you've got more energy now. Because before, like, a lot of the reviews for my record were like, it's a soothing, soft, mellow country that you can lose yourself in. And I'm like, wow, is it really that boring? <laughs> um, and so, so a lot of folks, I think, were kind of wanting, um, something that captures a little more that energy of my live shows. And, and then I made it, and of course, so that you're always gonna have, I mean, I joke with people like, you know, let's be honest, like classic country genre purists, they're not open-minded people. They don't want country music mixed with this or that. They just want country. They want 1968 George Jones. And I don't blame them. I, I love that too. But I grew up with so much other stuff. You know, I've got an older brother who's like almost 14 years older than me. So even though I was born in the early 80s, while I was growing up in the 90s, I was exposed to a ton of 80s music because he was kind of a child of the 80s and, and was always bringing it around. So to me, it doesn't seem like that much of a stretch at all. Like I said, going from Eagles kind of sounding music to Don Henley solo stuff. But for some people, it was shocking, you know.
0: Right, right. Well, what I've always appreciated about your sound, and and maybe I'm off on this too, but and this is a this is a thing in modern American music, there's... There's music from the 50s and 60s, rock and roll, soul, um, R&B that was, you know, we didn't know what to call it back then. We didn't break it up into genres back then. It was just American music. I mean, they didn't even know the difference between rock and roll and country for a long time until they actually plugged in a bass or, or gave the band a drum set, and then they were like, oh, that's rock and roll now, but it was the same thing without the drum set and then we skip to the 70s 80s where everything becomes so fractioned that yep. people lose the roots of real american rock pop country soul r&b in that way and i think i think yep. you've always been tethered to it uh, whether you're doing more country or more pop or something in the
1: middle yeah yeah i think that's a really great distinction pepper i think um for me, you know, so much of even on my second record, Tenderheart, was just me trying to rip off Tom Petty, you know, which I think is probably, <laughs> to me, he's maybe the most perfect blend of pop, roots, and rock. You know, he just, especially the stuff that was produced by Jeff Lynne from Yellow, it just has that, it that has that kind of cool 80s minimalist thing, but also completely 80s maximalist. It's just perfect. Right. So, I think, in a lot of ways, Popular Mechanics is just a further iteration of me trying to rip off Tom Petty. Um, <laughs> and, again, I, like I said, I just love too many genres of music. You know, like, I grew up on everything from Western Swing, because we had A Sleep at the Wheel in our house, that 70s kind of Western Swing revival, Bob Wills, you know, uh, kind of thing. And then... Um, 80s soft rock, like Cyndi Lauper. "Time After Time" is one of my all-time favorite tunes. So, because I can't place a finger on what my tastes are, I kind of tell people, "Look." And by the way, whenever I would see a comment, you know, on social media or whatever, if someone kind of had the guts to just be like, "This isn't country. I don't like you anymore," I really don't take offense to it. My thought is like, first of all, thanks for chiming in. If you want to listen to that music, you can always, you know, pop in my older albums and you can listen to them. Um, but for me as an artist, I got to try new stuff. I just, if I kept kind of churning out sequels to Angelino because that was a, you know, at the time, I guess kind of considered a successful debut album. If I just kept trying to repeat success, you know, my joke is kind of like, look, I've had a day job before where I sat at a desk and someone else told me what to do. I don't want to still be in just a job where I'm being told what to do. I kind of have to follow that muse and and try new stuff, whether the, whether the folks who got on board with the first record because it was country want to hear it or not.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let me get you out on a couple of quick questions here. Um, uh, any memories about Cal Poly you want to share? Uh, we've been, you know, mentioning the fact that you went to Cal Poly. People love to hear, you know, little stories or anecdotes, any random places you like to eat or anything like that that you remember from your college days?
1: You know what? I mean, first of all, I don't know that there is a more idyllic place to go to college. I mean, I kind of had a sense of it when I was there. It was like, wow, this is kind of like heaven. I mean, the Central Coast seemingly is almost too good to be true. But, I revisited, I was visiting Friends in Slow a couple years ago, and I said, let's stop on the campus and walk around. I stopped on the campus again and walked around, and it was like, my God, it really is the most beautiful, wonderful place in the entire world. Um, One place I remember eating, I really, do they still have Fatty's Pizza in San Luis? Oh,
0: yeah, yep, yep.
1: So I remember the Fatty's Pizza deal was two larges for 10 bucks. I, I would imagine with inflation, that's probably now like one small for a hundred bucks.
0: Yeah, well, but, it's, um, it's still the same thing: buy one, get one free, and they're yeah, they're in the fifteen to twenty dollar range. I think. So,
1: so still that was cheap. the best. Still cheap. I also remember being really obsessed with High Street Deli. Yep.
0: And, also still um, a thing.
1: You could go at four twenty, which I think meant like between like four and five or something, and you could get a sub. I think for four twenty mm-hmm. or some discount or something.
0: Yep. It's so still, it's, High
1: Street Deli just being tremendous. But, I mean, look, Firestone, Woodstock, like, there's so many great places to gain weight in San Luis Obispo. Um, <laughs> it's, it's 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 just the best. And fortunately, uh, with that, as much as there are opportunities to pack on calories, there are a whole bunch of opportunities to burn those calories, like, you know, uh, climbing and surfing and camping and all that stuff. So, I mean, it's... It, probably sounds like I'm getting paid to say this. Um, I'm not. I just am obsessed with the Central Coast. I think it's it's the best of all worlds, and I still can't believe that I got to go to school there.
0: I love it. I love it. All right, well, Morro Bay, you know, big part of the Central Coast as well. I mean, head out to the ocean. You got the rock. You got the kayaking. You got everything else going on out there. We look forward to seeing you there next Wednesday at the Siren in Morro Bay. Sam Outlaw, thank you for the time, brother. It's good talking to you. Good catching up.
1: Thanks, Pepper. And I should mention Victoria Bailey's opening gig. She is an L.A.-based country singer. She is phenomenal. So get there early. You don't want to miss Victoria's set.
0: Always show up early for the opening act. That's my belief.
1: Yes, sir. Thanks so much for talking to me, Pepper. Real pleasure, man.